the word of the Lord. You may be seated. There's this girl who, uh, this girl who in about five days having an abortion, as it's scheduled at least. And what if this girl, um, as she's realizing that the father of her child is not going to come back anytime soon. In fact, that's why she scheduled the abortion. She feels like there's absolutely no way for her to be able to go on. There's no way for her to provide any kind of life. In fact, she herself doesn't even feel like she's had any sort of parental um, model. And so she's not even sure at 15 years old what that would even look like to be a mom. There's something tugging at the back kind of of her mind going, I, I don't know if I should do this, but I, I just don't feel like I have any more options left. I just don't feel like I have any more options left. And so what if that person came to church one day or was talking to someone afterwards? This person was actually somebody who had, who had been adopted. Somehow the conversation comes up. And this person who uh, actually what was for the longest time in their childhood something that they felt like, they felt lesser. They felt like, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not somebody who, who really deserves to be in the family that I was in. I don't know why my mom and my dad let me go. And then when he actually um, reconnected with his birth parents years later, he realized that it was because... His mother, his birth mother, had so loved him and so desperately wanted him to have a better life that she thought the most loving and generous thing that she could do was to, to let him be adopted, that he wasn't actually abandoned, that his story wasn't about being abandoned. And then what if somebody came over, and this is a couple that just said goodbye like to their kids, like their last kid left for college yesterday. Her last kid left for college yesterday. And they're going, oh man, we have this big house. We've raised three kids in this house. Like what? What are we, what do we do now? Like our whole, like the last 18, 20, 25 years of our life has all been geared around our kids. Like what do we do now? Like what? What does it mean for us to have this home? What we, we still want to care for, for? We're asking God for like a new vision and new mission in our life. What would happen if these three folks came together and began to share their stories about their trials, about their aches, about their hopes, about what they have and what they don't, don't have? This 15-year-old might start to have a little bit of hope of what another option might be. Um, what if there was uh, somebody who uh, sat down around a dinner table at a new home group and uh, somehow the dreaded topic of politics came out and it came out that this one person was a Republican. Oh! And then somebody else was like, I'm... You know, it's funny you said that. It's so funny. You see, you're a, it's so funny you said that. I'm a Democrat. 
right? And then there's, there was, happened to be somebody else who just came up and sat at the table. And, uh, and they were like, well, the last couple of elections, you know, I've, I've, I've voted for, you know, Nader. Like, what if these three people in, in the, the, the topics as they start to discuss whatever current issues are, are arising, fundamental disconnects about how we should govern, how we should think about our nation and how we should think about our laws? Like, what, what, what if the conversation then shifted as a fourth person came to the table in the midst of like some maybe heated political conversation who had actually just immigrated to this country? They're joined by somebody who happened to have just been sworn in as an American citizen. And they're, 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 as they're hearing this discussion, they're actually not getting disturbed by it. They're actually like starting to kind of feel a little bit emotional because they're realizing, listening to all of this, and as they've gone through all these classes, that now their voice like matters a bit at least. <laughs> their voice matters that they can have, they can even sit at a table and hear this discussion and feel relatively safe. <laughs> like no one's about to barge in their door for even having disagreements. That, that it's, it's even patriotic to dissent. It's like patriotic. It's even, it's like a praise to actually critique. Because in their country, if someone dissented against the government, people were killed. Like that cost lives. And they're, they're like welling up with emotion, hearing everybody go, how could you even, if you vote for a third party candidate, you're gonna ruin everything, you're what's wrong with it. And the other person's like, if we keep going on in this two party system, if I keep going with this analogy, I'm just gonna start to get real. So I'm gonna stop. Like all the hypothetical conversation that's actually about my personal political views, that's how I do that. I'll slip that in, no, I was kidding. <laughs> We have, they're having this heated conversation and they're sitting here going, oh my gosh, you don't know how good you have it. And then they, they actually finally step into the conversation and they go, do you know that, that the rest of my family are just arriving and everything they have is in one suitcase? The rest of my family actually is coming over. They're, they're, maybe they're refugees. They're coming over and what if the first person went, as they're hearing this person talk about, you know, I just can't believe I get to be an American citizen. And, and they're describing the fact that there's somebody who's coming over who has absolutely nothing coming from violence and such pain and risk. These bold and courageous people are coming over with one suitcase in their hand. And then what if the, 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 the Republican goes, you know, you know I, I have a bunch of extra clothes we have like so many extra clothes. And, and the, the, the Democrat, Democrats like, I, like I, I, we have some room in our home. I know it's gonna be hard finding an apartment at first. And, and the, third, the third party guy, the green candidate is like, I'll really help your grass grow. Really, what? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. The libertarian is like, you'll be fine. Just take care of it yourself. You'll be all right. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Like what if the conversation just shifted, turned on a dime? There's a couple, a couple who's dating. 
are getting really excited about marriage, but there's this there's this disconnect that she's feeling with him that she constantly feels like even though she knows that he loves her, that she she's gotta present like physically a bit better. She feels like the reason, maybe some of the reason why he hasn't fully pulled the trigger is there's like some, like she could just be a little more attractive. Like if she could just get this together or update the wardrobe or work out a little more, eat a little less, maybe have a little surgery, something. Like there's this feeling, this tension that she's feeling of like, I know he loves me, he loves me, but why? Why is this intimacy thing such a thing? And, and so you go and you talk to him and his head is like, I, I love her, but my, you realize, you realize after talking to him like intimately for 15 minutes that his head is so filled with all of these images. He's filled with all this porn and all this advertising that is just like warped so deeply his understanding of like physically intimately relating to someone. Like so, so messed up. And he kind of feels this, but he doesn't know what to do and how do I go further? And she has this, just this sense of how it's just a little more beautiful. And so they come across, um, there's this old couple in the community. And they're one of these old couples that's still like, like they're big PDA fans still at like 65 years old, 70 years old. Like they're, you know what I mean? Yeah. If I'm still at this church pastoring in that long, you better bet PDA is going to get stronger as the time goes on. You're not going to like it. <laughs> and they're just still like all over each other and they still just, you can just tell, you know, it's like that, like Johnny Cash, June Carter. I don't know. There's something about them. They're just still like wide-eyed for each other. They're still for each other in these like really amazing ways. And what if they actually were able to like have a discussion like they'd been through it all. Like the day that he came home and was like fired and she had like comfort him from everything that happened to work and he came, like the day that she came home and had lost mom and they just didn't know what to do and they were a wreck. Like they'd been through everything and what if they found themselves talking? What if they came alongside and said, hey, hey, marriage is actually more, like loving people's more than like just what's on the surface. Actually, let us help you like realize the fullness of what love is. Maybe he takes the, the guy out and begins to have some like real honest conversation about what it means to truly commit his life and give to someone else. What if they came alongside it for? What would happen? People came together to hear each other's stories. What happened if people came together what if there was a regular space where people from every sphere of vocation, every sphere of industry, every sphere of life came together regularly rallying around one thing, something that trumped them all? Ephesians 2 is the text that was read. Ephesians two fourteen. We've looked at this passage before. We'll look at it again. This, this, if you want to go through a book, Ephesians, it's just such a powerful, like real beautiful like practical book of what one of these like early churches looked like and what Paul was calling them to. I love the book because it starts, like Paul often starts with all of this, like here's who you are, here's who you are, here's what God's done, 
So here's who you are because of what's God done, God's, God has done. And then it's sort of this massive, so since God has done all of this amazing work in you, since God is this God of love, since God is God who has set you free, then, and then it moves to instruction. I think we sometimes get in our heads that the Bible must just be like this giant book of instructions that we have to master. It's so not. So much of it is Here's who you are because of what he's done. Here's what, here's what you, in fact, you know this, right? When, when people really begin to know who they are, know that they're loved, you actually don't usually need to tell them a whole lot about how to behave. It begins to just transform them. Ephesians 2, 14. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. There's this massive division between Jews and Gentiles. Again, we've talked a lot about this. They dress different. They have different backgrounds, different religious rights. They are diametrically opposed groups of people. I think I, uh, there's a teaching I gave last year. I actually put up uh, one of the relics that they found from Ephesians, from um, the dividing wall, because it was literally a dividing wall. It's not just metaphorical. There was like a place where it said, like, you Gentile dogs can't enter. There was liturgy and prayers from the Jewish uh, side that would basically um, just look down in the worst sorts of ways on these Gentiles. And so what happens, we're reading, is this is written to a church in Ephesus. So they find themselves, Jews and Gentiles, in the same church. Gentiles and the Jews, some of them are convinced they're closer to God. The Jews, they, 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 they know all the right words. And he's saying that, that Christ has destroyed the dividing wall. That something in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, something has happened where the wall has come down. Actually, you are equally close to God. There's this new reality called Christ his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. One body, a new humanity. Instead of being obsessed with the differences, we are bound together. There were racial divides, brand new idea. There are cultural divides in this time, brand new thing. We don't experience any of that, right? This was this reality that they were living in and all of a sudden they find a church. It, actually, a church with Jew and Gentile in it and it gets weirder, right? If you read on in Ephesians uh, 6, turn with me a few pages to the right. Swipe your phone three swipes to the up. Ephesians <laughs> 6, that was funny to me. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart. All right, hold up. Slaves, there are slaves, apparently, in this community. Okay, we're not going to unpack all that's going on there um, at the moment, but we're going to just acknowledge the fact that there are slaves in this community. And then if you read on, I believe it's in verse 9, and masters. Okay, so there are slaves and masters in the same church. There are slaves and masters in this. So someone who owns people and the people that they own. Even though slavery looked a bit different in a lot of ways, cultural class-wise, than it did, for instance, in the American South, which is what we often think of, there is still the slave owner had what was called the power of death. 
the power to say, like, actually, you, you don't, I own you and you get, don't get to live anymore if things got that bad. And this barrier apparently had been, has been destroyed, has been destroyed. We read on in another letter in Galatians, Paul says, there, there is neither man, woman, nor slave, nor free. There's neither man nor woman nor slave nor free. Uh, Thomas Cahill, a famous historian, says that in all the world of literature, this is the first writer to argue for this. The first time it is articulated is here in the book of Galatians. Own the company, work for the company. You name the ways that we cook up to divide each other and this writer is saying that something in Jesus, what Jesus has done is destroyed the dividing wall, giving us a picture, giving us, imparting a reality that the things that we used to have that divided us are no longer. And arguably some have wrestled to simply said, if Jesus came to show us what God was like, this wasn't a timing thing on God's part. This was a when we could wrap our minds around this. This was progressive the first time in literature any sort of egalitarian swooping statement said was here in the book of Galatians, according to Thomas Cahill. Central to this church sanctuary is this direction of with. We made up a word, with word. We've been going through our values, how we journey as a church Everything we want in our community to be evaluated. We'll do different programming. We'll decide at different seasons in the life of our church what is the best way to become fully devoted followers of Jesus, which is why we exist. And fully devoted followers of Jesus follow these four. We just decided to articulate them in four basic directions. So we've been reading these paragraphs every week. What it means to journey upward, to be people of worship, of awe, of wonder, to realize that everything begins with God. We journey inward because God cares about reconciling what's happened in our own hearts. God is reconciling us. He has forgiven us of our sin and set us free. And that we then are given the ministry of reconciliation to go out into the world being reconciled. People who are demonstrating and announcing the way of heaven, the good news of Jesus, the gospel, that Jesus is Lord, that God's grace is real. And we do all of this, the way we articulate this is in all things together. Central to this community is to move together. Community, even the word is common, define the common. This is how we articulate it. We are called to journey together as one body. We value the image of God in all people everywhere. We believe that we were created to live deeply with one another, carrying each other's burdens, sharing our possessions, to pray for and confess our sins to each other, to suffer and celebrate together. It's in these honest, loving relationships that God transforms us. The way of Jesus cannot be lived alone. Our understanding is that we are not alone. The new humanity. This is such a, a massive concept. And what sometimes sounds surprising or, or feels unsurprising is we go, yeah, yeah, of course, we're all one, right? Like my blood, like runs red too. Many of you are enlightened 21st century people and you go, yeah, of course, everyone's one. The only problem is those people who don't think everyone's one and they're not one with us. 
right? The only problem is all those who disagree. There's been a lot of articles recently from very, uh, again, this is just an example, from very progressive writers talking about how close-minded most progressive press has gotten. Right, it's like an ironic spin of what was the biggest critique of conservative press. I'm using massively large stereotypes here, stay with me. But there's been, it's been an interesting trend, like Nicholas Kristof in the New York Times, like really fun, interesting things that the more sort of enlightened we get then that way of enlightenment and that way that we operate then is the best way into the exclusion of everyone else. It's the same swing that, yeah, we're all one, and yet we cook up so many new ways to divide each other. This doesn't mean we don't speak out against injustice, and we don't critique, and we don't push back, but it means that as followers of Jesus, we're to put on display the new humanity that God is drawing everything together under him. He is reconciling everything back to himself, and we get to join him in that process. See, the new humanity isn't about church, it's an image of the, 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 it is a picture, a reality that the church gets to put on display of how everybody should be. The church is a picture of how the whole world should be. The new humanity is every tribe, tongue, and nation coming together. It's when people from across the spectrum with differing beliefs and ideas can begin to come together around the person of Jesus. It puts on when it's at its healthiest with all its brokenness and hypocrisy and all the ways it's jacked up, it is to put on display the new humanity, the reality of Christ breaking down the barriers and breaking down the dividing walls. See, the danger of this space here is that people start to think that this building right here is church. The scriptures speak of people living deeply together. Look at the people in your row for a minute. Like literally look at the people in your row. Like God loves them. Yeah, God loves them. Look at that kid who was like, you know, crying next to you, is bothering you. Look at that person that you already sort of prejudged because their jeans are way tighter than yours. Like, like look around, like the, these people... Like God loves these people that you're sitting next to. God loves the people that are at Sanctuary North worshiping this morning, these people that you are bound together in community with. God loves these people. You could have a millionaire and someone who could barely pay their rent in that aisle. In fact, I don't know if you're a millionaire or not, but there's a couple close ones with that. They're actually, I like kind of surveyed the room before I got up here. There's a couple like, whoa, I know that that would be a great pair. <laughs> You have a PhD in somebody who didn't graduate high school. Think of the stories we could share, massively different perspectives. This is where like the new humanity is to be put on display, superseded by being one in Christ. It's why whether one person has a million dollars and the other is broke, right? We know this, like when, when, when the millionaire gets cancer, all that matters, right? All that matters, are we there for each other? All the ways that our world cooks up to divide, it's why people generally in like the fourth quarter of life tend, tend to look back and go, I can't believe we let that stuff divide us. I can't believe I let that thing get in the way of our family. I can't believe I let that thing ruin decades of, of that relationship with my brother and my sister. We learn something, right? 
I don't want to learn it in the fourth quarter of my life. I want to learn it now. I want to be somebody who is beginning to trust that the dividing wall has been torn down. To live, and the way that begins to happen is you actually live in community with people. Everything in our world is postured against, I have all these quotes, I'm not gonna have time to get to, but just fascinating how much people from across the spectrum, these aren't just Christian writers, talking about how everything in our world is gunning against community. And yet we talk about community kind of more than ever. It's that the closer you get to the thing, the more foreign it oddly becomes because you think because you have intellectually assented to the idea that you've actually embodied it. We can't be that. The church in this divided political season has such a voice that I believe the world is desperately longing for. That of all the ways the world is cooked up to divide itself, the way that we feel that, right? We're not like separate from the world. Like we feel this every day that we would be people who move toward the other and the way that begins is in community. We've showed so many, almost all the, the stories that we've told on video over the last year have all been about folks like connecting into home groups and the home groups are not like the magic bullet here. But it's a start. It's a regular rhythm of getting together with people who are often really different from you and beginning to walk with them, to share what's going on in your life. People who are different than you beginning to pray and eat with and care for and move toward one another. We put on display, we are called to put on display how everyone was created to live. That is a bold statement, but that's what Paul's saying. The new humanity. It's not like the new church Right? Paul doesn't say, and so the new church will be one where there's no divisions. Right? What drives God nuts, according to John 17, right, is when the church actually looks like the world and it's divided. We are to put on display the new humanity. The new humanity. This is a gift that we give to the world. And it needs to begin right, right here with us. This is the gift. The new humanity. I could say it like this. It sounds so big and so abstract. The new humanity is when them has a face. It's when they have a name. And it's when those become us. The new humanity, you could say it like this. If it's us or them, it is us for them. If there's a sense of, in labeling, if it's ever an us and them, it's always us for them. So I want to give a, a, a little caveat in this moment. Maybe not a caveat, but like a, an important note. That the lens that this can get blended through is sort of one of like, sort of like when people used to say about race issues, uh, we just need to be colorblind. You remember that? That was like a thing for a while. Maybe you're still there. You should get off that. Right? This idea of color blindness, it was well-intentioned, but the idea was like, I just don't even see color, man. We're all just, you know, pick your color. We're all just purple, man. Um, it's not that. It's not that we ignore the differences, and it's especially not that we ignore calling each other out. 
and being voices of a healing. You can't have authentic community on your own terms. You can't. Love by its very nature is inconvenient and costly. I don't want to be a part of a church that tolerates well. I want to be a part of a church that loves well. Right? And to love means sometimes we got to go there. Anybody have kids? You know that. You don't tolerate your kids' behavior. You love them enough to go, stop. You're killing yourself. Now, we're all a mature bunch. I don't need to give a bunch of other caveats. Like, don't go up to somebody you don't know and there's no trust with and tell them they're in sin and then walk away. Not the best. Follow the Spirit's lead, everything. We drive under the influence of love. Right? We got all that. I hope that wasn't an invitation to like the one person in our community who's not gonna go around hitting everybody with a stick. But we need to be a church, though, that is honest with each other because we love, because we journey together. Where it's not just they, like it was their pet sin and you decided to now say something. That you've been walking alongside, that we're growing one another up. It's the kid who's got the serious porn issue and he finally gets to sit down this couple with the couple that have been like in love and in marriage for a while. And they go, help us. Help us. It's when all these people who get so wrapped up in intellectual discourse and divisions, they don't stop long enough to actually embody their politic when they start to realize there's a whole lot that's in common and begin to care for the refugee and the hurting and the most vulnerable amongst us in our community, right? Right? It's when all of a sudden we declare we're pro-life, we're pro-life, we're a church that's pro-life, we're a church that we need to be, we need to advocate for the most vulnerable. But when it actually comes time to adopt and to foster and to help care and carry people along, are we there? Are we hearing each other's stories? Love is inconvenient and love is costly, but we wanna be a community that loves, not tolerates. And so when we're talking about the new humanity, when it's not us or them, it's us for them, being for them is to be people of passionate love. This isn't about ignoring or endorsing the brokenness. It's about coming alongside and being people who admonish and people who encourage. I wanna end with this because if you've been a part of a home group, we have this rhythm that we follow. You come to a home group, you split up into groups of three after you have a meal and make sure everyone's needs are taken care of and then you split up into groups of three or so. And you walk through this sort of self-led thing And hopefully you're in a group of somebody who's helping kind of lead you through that thing. And this is this four practices. There's the upward and upward practice where we reflect on what's been taught. And we ask questions about how is that coming to life? We we ask questions about the inward direction. We confess our sins and are honest with one another about what's going on to the degree we, we feel comfortable being honest. Have folks pray for us. We move outward. We ask questions of, of how are you serving within your family? Within your life, within the church, where are the place, who is God putting on your heart to love tomorrow well? And we just ask questions and pray for and encourage one another. And then you get to withward, the one we're talking about today, with the fourth direction. In all things, we travel together. And the discipline that we've been practicing this season is one of encouragement. Hebrews 10, 1, 8 to 10. Let us hold on, or Hebrews 10, sorry, 1, 8 to 10. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he 
who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some is in, are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. This writer's saying that there are some people who had habitualized not coming together. There are apparently some people who had gotten into the habit of being kind of loner, or they'd gotten into the habit of being kind of around people, but not talking about anything of substance. They'd gotten into the habit of living life without letting anyone in. They'd gotten into the habit of doing life without anyone who's a follower of Jesus who wants to come alongside and continue to open them up to the abundant life of God. Apparently, that used to be an issue. Apparently, that used to be an issue. Apparently, that used to be an issue. They had habitualized not meeting together. Apparently, that has happened in history. Some folks have made a habit of not opening themselves up to the life of heaven that comes from being in community, that comes from seeing dividing walls get torn down and walking alongside other people in intentional ways, more so than just having a drink at the pub but going deeper into a place of honesty and intimacy and connection and life together with other people. Apparently people had made a habit of doing that. There's no way anyone in here has ever made a habit of doing that, right? Don't hear condemnation, hear an invitation. Like how can we as a church go further? So many sermons often end, and that's fine with here are the things you need to work on, and here's some ways to go and do that. It's always an element of that, right? We wanna learn, we wanna grow. But one of the questions that I often ask our like staff, our, our partners, I do it in premarital counseling, is these culture questions. Like what's missing and needs to be fixed? What's confusing and needs clarity? What's broken and needs to be repaired? But the one that often is skipped over the most is this question, what's good and needs to go further? What's kind of, what's pretty okay but you could fan that baby into flame, right? What's well, one of those things? And I think community is that for us. I don't think we're really bad at that. The amount of people who have been cared for, loved, the amount of stories that I hear of folks that are like, this is the most welcoming church I've ever been. This is the most hospitable church I've ever been a part of. Like, that's a good thing. Maybe some of you don't feel that. You're like, nope, we're trying. But I think for a lot of us, we can go further. I think a lot of us, the temptation, because we talk a lot about community, is we can do that thing where we pay lip service to it. Who are the people in your life that right now you're going, I wanna go deeper with them? I need to like connect with Pastor Andrew because I need to connect with somebody who can help mentor me here. I have not, I keep saying I'm gonna be a part of a home group or I went to a home group for a while and it was weird and awkward and so I gave up. I try again. There are a lot of weird and awkward home groups, but there are a lot of ones that aren't. And what's weird and awkward to you is like home for the other weird and awkward person, right? Amen? How my weird, where are my weird and awkward people at? Yeah, Stacia Joy up in the front. <laughs> to put this as a priority in our community, put this in a priority that we would begin to journey and move together. I'm gonna be starting, Corey and I are gonna be starting another home group. If you wanna be part of a, a home group, you're not a part of one already, just come and see me. It's not easy, come and see me. There's some people talking on the south side about starting a home group. There's some other things popping up. Some students have gotten together. There's places to connect in. 
And there's also just people in your life already that you're kind of running with that maybe the invitation is to take this thing out of the surface and into some deep waters. Into some deeper waters. Encouragement. The reason why when we come together and practice this is we encourage one another. Encouragement is essentially saying if we are going to live out the call of God in our lives, if confession is accountability for what we don't want to do, encouragement is fuel for what we're called to do. Encouragement is fuel for what we're called to do. When we come together, the reason why we're practicing encouragement in this season is because this is the fuel for what we're called to do. To encourage someone is literally to put courage into them. Isn't that cool? Like encouraging is li- like, like, like here's some encouragement. Like, like putting courage in is like, I need to come alongside and cheer you on. Do you have people in your life who are fanning into flame like the things that you're called to? If confession is acknowledging what's broken, encouragement goes, well, it's good. What are you aiming for? What's the vision God's put in your heart? Where are you even called to see the fame and deeds renewed in our day and time? Let me, let me like, like, you got some embers there. Like they're barely going, right? Let me fan that thing. Let me blow on that a little bit. Encouragement is something that we so often lack. And so we're practicing this because we want to be people who call out gifts in one another and put courage. This direction, the withward direction, this value, why we travel together is so key because it affects every other path. The upward, the inward, and the outward. All of these things. We have to do all of this together. The way of Jesus cannot be lived alone. The way of Jesus cannot be lived alone. If you are struggling with understanding who God is or where God is. I would just venture to say it may have a whole lot to do with things, issues of isolation, of not walking alongside others, of not doing life with people. God, I hate that phrase, but I love that phrase. So I wanna pray for us, and we're gonna come to the table. Communion, the common what we do every time we come together, right? Oftentimes communion would have been, especially in the early church, would have been around a meal. You come and you eat and you celebrate the goodness of creation, the goodness of wine. It gladdens the hearts, the goodness of food, the goodness of conversation. Usually it's with people that you're walking life with like in a way that's intentional around the way of Jesus. And you come and then there was a moment you would stop in these early church gatherings, you'd stop. And then you would take the bread and rip off a piece and you'd eat it or it'd be conveniently ripped for you. And you'd drink the wine as a reminder of Christ's body broken and his blood poured out. That the thing that we are gathered together is not around the idea of community. We are gathering around the person of Jesus. We are saying, actually, let us remember the center. Let us remember Christ crucified. Let us remember the sacrifice of love that the God of the universe has done for us. That Christ's body was broken and his blood was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. For the healing of our world. 
It is a powerful thing to look somebody in the eye and remember that of all the things that divide us, we can begin back here realizing, hey, you're, hey, hey, sinner, <laughs> hey, sinner. Hey, person loved by God. Hey, person loved by God. Hey, person made in the image. Hey, person made in the image of God. Hey, person who God is for. Hey, person who God is for. God, I hate that you're gonna vote for so-and-so. Yeah, but hey, God's working on me too. God's working on me too. God's moving us into all truth. God is gathering us all together in humility and encouragement and in love. So as we come to the table, I just ask you, whether it's as you're standing in line or as you put the bread in the cup, be thinking like, where, where is God inviting me into the withward direction? That's it. What's the next thing for me? I'm in a home group. I love my people. I can go further. I can go deeper with these people. Maybe I'm in a home group. There's some home groups who don't have a common mission together. Maybe you guys need to start thinking, how can we as a community serve? Hey, some of us, it's like, there's this person I need to have some honest conversations with and let them in because I'm dying here. Maybe as we said during the giving, there's some folks that are like financially at their end and you need to let someone in so that you can be rescued and healed, that God would use the people around you because it's a gift to them. You're denying them the joy of being able to give to you. You're denying them that joy. Stop it, being selfish. (laughs) Maybe for some of us, you're sitting here and you're going, I would love to be a part of this. Jesus says, or Paul says in the book of Romans, repent and believe, turn back. Turn away from all the things that are drawing you out. Turn away from your your very nature that wants to rebel against the love and generosity and grace of God. Repent and and acknowledge Jesus as Lord, that he has died on the cross for you, for your sins. He has risen again, announcing a new kingdom, heaven on earth breaking forth and being a part, saying yes to that story, saying yes to the work that God has done in God alone is simply a way like all these people the last couple of weeks who've raised their hands and said, yes, I wanna be a part of that story. I wanna trust that story. I'm opening myself to the God who is pursuing me to that love. Maybe today, this is a moment where you do that. Got all that? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you that in you, everything, Lord, that divides us can be transcended. Thank you, Lord, that everything in you can be transcended. And as we come to the table, as centuries of churches have done or experienced before, there is something powerful and sacred, something that feels like a thin place between earth and heaven that happens when we dip that bread into that cup, when we take of this meal, when we remember the work of God. Would Lord, would we just be enlightened? Would you enlighten our hearts with next steps in community? Would you, Lord, would you help refresh the the communities that we're a part of? Lord, would you help our church move further into this direction that it would be said of sanctuary that that is 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 a place where the new humanity is on display, where the dividing walls are coming down all over the place. Lord, and I pray today for those that are here that are thinking, I wanna be part of this story. Would you mark this moment for those who want to become followers of Jesus? Just for your own sake, like throw your hand up 
just for a moment and say, yes, I want to become a follower. Yes. Yes. Today. Thank you, God. As we take part in this sacred meal, would you renew us for a new week? Renew us for a new week.